And I can see the ground now, way too gone, way too gone. Alright, legends. Welcome back, dude, to yet another episode of Get Around Me. What a time it is to be alive, feel the hype, spread the hype, etc, dude, etc. But we have to crack in this week, it's a big episode, no time uh, for sort of any sort of dilly-dallying or any sort of communist propaganda up the top, I simply don't have the time. So just a couple of things off the bat, recapping last week's episode, I've got confirmation that Australian cricket legend legend Michael Slater has returned home safely from India via a resort in the Maldives. So I've I've got it on good authority. He was stretched straight out of his first class chair on that Qantas flight um, into yet another five star five star resort, I should say. Uh, that's just to make the transition for him as easy as possible. Um, and I believe they hooked up a mixture of cocaine and caviar to his veins, just to build his strength back up. So very happy to have Slats back in the country. Uh, he's a warrior. He's a trooper. And to go through what he went through, I mean, to voluntarily go to a third world country where coronavirus was rife. And then, I mean, for coronavirus to pop its head up out of nowhere. <laughs> I mean, the guy, I tell you what, don't buy any lottery tickets, Slats. Am I right? This poor guy can't catch a break. And then he had to quarantine in yet another foreign country, and they stuck him in the hellhole that is the Maldives. So, like I said, apparently one day the pool at his resort was actually 19 degrees. Uh, a bit too brisk for slats. He likes a balmy 21. Uh, but I am told that after a, quite a severe tongue lashing, uh, one of the pool boys did fix that up for him. So, once again, slats, uh, you know, you have our love, you have our support. And uh, congratulations on, on weathering a storm, great man. An unexpected one at that. <laughs> oh, dude. But even bigger news than that. This is just a news podcast at this rate. Even bigger news. Some of you will recall last year, I want to say, I don't know, maybe October, September, could have been August. February is popping its head up in my mind. I'm not sure when, but it was in 2020. Myself, an enemy of the pod, Pat Doherty, the snake himself, appeared in a Superwog sketch. Okay? And that sketch was never released. Now, a lot of you are thinking, Billy, you don't know how to act. Uh, you were so hungover. You blew it. You ruined the sketch. You're the reason they cut it. Um, you know, you, you're not as good at cricket as you tell everyone, you know, I, I understand what you guys are thinking. Okay. Because I was thinking all of those things as well, top to bottom. I was like, fuck, I blew it. You know, I suck at acting. I'm the worst to ever do this. How's this for a self-esteem blow? My first ever time acting in anything. They say it'll come out in a month and then they just don't release it. How's that for a rip roaring start to your acting career? Next stop the Golden Globes. So, you know, I fought demons for months after that because, you know, I bounced it up, but I did actually try very hard in this sketch. I learned all my lines. I had like three pages of lines. And, you know, they don't tell you how to bloody say them. You know, I'm freaking running lines with Macca in the freaking UFC room. He's given me nothing. He's given me no emotion back. You know, am I supposed to cry? Am I supposed to have an erection? 
What is my motivation in the scene? I received none of this. Uh, but I gave it a crack. You know, I tried my best, etc. And Pat came down with me. Pat was in the background. I was in the foreground. I had lines. Pat didn't have any lines. Pat continued to go off book to the point where Superwog actually had to verbally reprimand him. And that was hilarious. When Superwog was like, mate, seriously, can you just do the fucking lines? Like, can you just stay on book? And by that, he meant stay silent because Pat only had one line. So, you know, it was a tumultuous shoot. We had a lot of fun. They're two of the best blokes ever, the Superwog lads. And, you know, looking back, it was a learning experience. But I thought, it's a huge loss. It'll never come out. And that's that. That's showbiz, baby. Here's your 70 bucks. Go fuck yourself. Okay? And I was paid handsomely more than that, but I would never disclose that uh, that huge number. But <laughs> but I will say this, okay? Uh, Superwog himself came to my show on Wednesday, my Sydney Comedy Festival show. And guess what? It is still getting released. So you will see Billy Darcy in a Superwog sketch at some point in the future. Okay? He said it's got to do because they've got an ABC show that's come out. And he said, I didn't really understand what he said, but it was something to do with contracts and um, opportunities and success. Uh, three things I really know nothing about. So I wasn't able to relate to anything he said, but I did get to the crux of it. And that is that my Superwog sketch is still coming out. So I cannot wait for that. That is going to be hilarious. Either I'm going to be so bad in it that we can all have a good laugh, or I'm going to be actually funny in it and we can laugh at that also. So, win-win there. My Superwog appearance lives on. And my acting career does too. I was about to throw in my fucking acting kit. Acting backpack. Billy, you can just edit that out. Alright. Thank God Billy Darcy edits this pod. I mean, what would we do without him? He's harsh, but he's fair. Acting suitcase? Alright. <laughs> I don't know much about acting. So... Let's crack into the show for this week, and it's a big one, because speaking of shows, I actually fucking did a couple last week, okay? Thank you to everyone who came to my Sydney Comedy Festival shows. They were biggest solo shows I've ever done, had 140 people on Wednesday, 150 on Friday. Steez are dude. It was fucking awesome, uh, but let's sort of crack into the the yarn surrounding them so wednesday okay so let me set the scene so i'm getting both of these shows professionally filmed okay the bloke who filmed my last couple of clips is filming it and he's an absolute legend and he does a great job so looking forward to seeing what comes out but anyway i rock up to sound check and so they give you an hour with in your you know, room, like, at some point before your show. So, like, mine was at 4 p.m. on the day of my show. Now, traditionally, I've never been to a sound check before, okay? Turn the fucking mic on and make sure the roof is reinforced, okay? That's the sound check for a Billy Darcy show. Turn the microphone on and have a SWAT team ready, okay? Because I'm about to kill so hard, it could be, it could be labeled a terrorist attack. You know, we got a fucking neo-Nazi going off upstairs. He's about to blow the whole building up. No, no, no. That's just Billy Darcy's bit about the bushfires, okay? 
Yes, it's very well written. And he's got a natural charisma that people are drawn to. So this was my first ever actual sound check for one of my own shows. And I get in there. My friend Facundo, who is uh, filming me, he's setting up. You know, he's got wires, buttons, whirly birds. I don't know what's going on. It's exactly what I'm paying him for. I don't want to know. Okay. I got no interest in anything electronic. All right. So he's working it out. Now I meet the sound guy. Lovely bloke, Jake. Lovely guy. He starts asking me questions. Firstly, what do you want to walk onto and walk off to? I go, I don't know. It's literally a two-step walk. Like, I'm not playing the fucking O2 arena. You know what I mean? I come through a curtain and it's one, two steps. I'm there. I'm at the mic. Shut up. The show has begun. Uh, so now I'm thinking, fuck, what do, what do I do for this? What do I do for that? He goes, what color scheme do you want? And I said, what color scheme do you have? Thinking, give me two options. I'll pick one. He said, there's four lights. I can do any color, any color combination you could ever think of. I said, well, there's a fair few fucking colors, mate. So there's a big, big old bag of pressure you've chucked on me. Went for blue and yellow because it was the first one he showed me. And whatever, this is all happening. I'm getting a feel for the room. He's asking me, you know, freaking if I've ever been a Q8 before or some shit. Just sound guys getting in my head. He's doing his job. I just really had no idea what I was in for at a sound check. You know, he's asking me what sort of curtains I want. Should we put the seats here? Um, when was the last time you fingered a girl? I'm thinking, mate, these questions are getting a bit much. Okay. So I'm in there. Now, next door is like the big room at the factory theater, about 500, 600 seats. It's actually the room I opened for Andrew Schultz in, blind drunk. That's a story on an earlier episode. There is the JMC Music Award ceremony or some shit. There's some music academy doing their graduation night next door. Same time as my show. And they've got a full-on fucking band playing. So finally, Mr. Sound Guy, I have a question for you. Two-way traffic now, bruh. What's going on next door? Because I can't hear myself think when they're playing this music. And this is obviously going to bleed through into my room. And I'm filming it. It's going to make the video unusable. It's going to fuck up my rhythm. I'm not saying it this aggressively, but I'm like, what's going on? And he's like, I don't know. I'll find out. I go, okay. Then later, like 10 minutes later, I'm on the stage. He's like, how's the sound sound or whatever? I go, mate, honestly, I'm just stressed about the band next door. I don't know why you guys have booked a music show next to a stand-up show. Seems absolutely ridiculous. But anyway, so then he goes, don't worry, I'll find out. Blah, blah, blah. Turns out they're only playing four songs at this awards night. At 8.15, 8.30, 8.45, and 9 o'clock. My show goes from 8.10 to 9.10. So, not great. Not great at all. Kind of panicking about that. Now I've got like three hours to kill before the show. I'm in the city, so I just like sit in a park for like two hours, looking at my notes, thinking about what I would do if somebody bumped into me, into me at a cafe. You know, I'm thinking, break a fucking teapot over their head or something, you know? Just freaking out, basically. Just, uh, you know, once again, I've gone out to the front gate and I said, hey, demons, what's the goss? Come on in, lads. Let's catch up. So, minor meltdown before the show. Not too bad. Not too bad. So, we go back to the uh, the theater. Me and my opener, Rowan Arneal. 
who did a fantastic job on the Wednesday show, if you were lucky enough to see it. Uh, but Rowan got his little little set filmed as well, so I'll, I'll make sure to share his clips. Phenomenal. Great joke writer. We go back, and they tell us to call some guy called Tony who's in charge of back of house. So Tony comes and gets us and takes us through like this corridor behind the, the whole thing. I don't know what's going on. And he puts us like in this kind of secondary green room. So there's a, a door, then the actual green room, and then my stage. And we're in like, we're behind this door. And he said, Nick, the sound guy, or Jake, or whatever the fuck his name was, uh, will come and get you like 10 minutes before your show. No worries. 8.10, no one's come to get us. 8.15, no one's come to get us. 8.20, no one's come to get us. 8.20, I just start knocking on the door. Jake, the sound guy, opens up and he's like, Billy, where you been, mate? We've been looking all over for you. And I go, I've been right here. The guy told me to wait here. He said he'd tell you to come and get me. He's like, mate, Tony didn't tell me anything. I've been looking for you. Like, what the hell? So my show's like 10 minutes late because I've been locked out of my own goddamn room. We got fucking Beyonce and Shakira singing their goddamn lungs out in the room behind me. The wheels are off on the Wednesday show. They're off. Then we end up starting my show like half an hour late because we would miss the last song next door. So it turns out they were actually finishing at like quarter to nine. So my show started half an hour late, um, but whatever. So I was kind of freaking out before the show, I'll be honest. But then Rowan did a great job up top. I went on. It was good. Started a little slow. I was pretty nervous, to be honest. But, you know, then we zig and we zag. I get into my iconic bushfire bit, okay? This it's not iconic to anyone but me, but I love it. It's my favorite bit in the whole show. So I go, what about these bloody bushfires? And I got this line about a like about a brown snake that's fucking probably my favorite line in the whole show. I go, so what about these bloody brown snakes? Boom. Lights come up. All the lights in the room have gone on. I have no idea why. I'm looking at fucking Jake, and Jake's giving me these ones. Hands up. It wasn't me. I go, well, who the fuck was it then, mate? Like, what's going on? And he's like, I didn't touch anything. I don't know what's happening. He's hitting buttons now, trying to fix it. Lights are on for like two minutes. Completely fucked the bit. I, inside, am furious. Okay? Blood is boiling. I'm losing it, dude. But inside. Outside. Hey, thanks for coming to the show. Etc. You know? So, I do the rest of the show. The show was great. Thanks for everyone who came to the Wednesday. Um... Super fun show. Did some pretty wild crowd work. Uh, my mum and dad came, and they they seemed to enjoy it. Mum told me a few things I shouldn't say in the future, but do you know what, Jenny Darcy? When you get your own show at the Sydney Comedy Festival, then you can stop freaking ripping on so-and-sos and whatever, okay? But um, also, my show is, like, not edgy at all. My mum's just being, being a mum. But, dude, great show Wednesday. Had a ball. But then, after the show, I run into the guy who owns the factory theatre, right? He actually came to my show, which is pretty cool of him. So, I wasn't going to do this. So, after the Wednesday show, before I go outside and chat to the owner of the factory, I'm chatting to Jake, the sound guy, and he goes, great show, man. And I go, yeah, cool. He goes, I go, well, what happened with the lights? And you know when you're so angry at someone, but you don't, you've only just met them, so you don't want to be a complete piece of shit to them. So you kind of try and get across how angry you are with while also being nice. 
That's what I was doing to this bloke. So I'm literally like, he's like, man, I don't know what happened with the lights. Someone must have kicked a wire. Okay, someone kicked a wire. Are we blaming the crowd? Are we blaming some random crowd member for, for the lights going on when you got all the freaking light buttons right there? Is that what we're doing? And then I'm like, oh, that's a bit, bit mean. So I go, hey, man, at the end of the day, you know, these things happen. You know, it's behind us now. Show still went great, so don't worry about it. And then I'm like, now I'm being too nice. So I go, but I tell you what, this cannot happen on Friday, okay? Under no circumstances can those lights pop on again on Friday. Completely fuck my best bit. Hey, but you know, don't worry about it. You know, roll the dice, etc. And I go, do you know what? The show was great, but I'm videoing this thing. I'm paying for it my fucking self. Paying thousands of bucks to have freaking Facundo here with his $20 million cameras. He's doing a great job. You put the fucking lights on in the middle of a joke. The footage is completely useless. You fucked me out of the cash. You fucked the show. Hey, but Jake, you know, what's going on? You want to grab a beer, you bloody legend? Oh, you're the best sound guy ever. I love you. You fucking champion. So I tried to not be too mean to him, but I was fucking, you know. So then afterwards, the factory theater owner comes out and he's like, um, he's like, oh, Bill, I just saw your show. really liked it. He said, he's just been really friendly to me, which is nice. Um, and I'm chatting to one of the superwogs who was there. Again, a lovely guy. And, and I go, oh, well, what about the bloody, I go, yeah, the show's all right. I go, fuck, lights coming on pissed me off, to be honest. Because now, I'm talking to the boss of the factory theatre, dude. I'm fucking... You want to you make sure this shit doesn't happen again? I'm at the top. Okay? I'm at the top of the freaking skyscraper talking to, to uh, you know, the big El, El Hombre or whatever. El Hancho. Mexican, Mexican for boss, whatever that word is. So I said, mate, fucking hell, pretty shit. Like, what's going on up there? And he's like, oh, mate, I don't know. I'll sort it out. I'll make sure it doesn't happen again. And the sound guy walks past and sees me talking to the big, the big hombre. So now he can see, yeah, hey, bud, I'll fucking, you know, you're not the only one with a with a, a mobile phone and some friends, you know what I mean? You're not the only one with an unlimited data package from Optus at a pretty reasonable price per month. Expires in August, looking to get a new phone, upgrade, maybe even a better data deal. You're not the only one with a fucking, a few irons in the fire, tools in the kitchen, you know, three girlfriends in the backyard, okay? I've got some fucking juice over here as well. So... And he saw me talking to the boss, and I thought, yeah, let's see if he fucking changes his tune for next week. Next week, you know, 20 minutes before my show, the sound guy comes out. Bill, great to see you. Looking forward to tonight. Can I freaking get you a cup of tea? Can I blow you behind the behind the curtain? What can I do for you? And I thought, there it is. There's the fucking attitude we're looking for, okay? So now, Friday, dude. Um, Friday was so much better. No sound check, you know? None of this garbage. I Pat, uh, the the enemy of the pod, Pat Doherty, opened for me. I'll get into that. You know, the green room door was unlocked. We could just go in. Um, such a better experience. You know, like I was not nervous at all before Friday. I was like, this is gonna be sick. So Friday's crowd. Um, let me get into it. I can only describe them as maybe the most hostile group of people I've ever come across. Everyone in the crowd had had about. 47 schooners i'm talking like people are just blind i can hear them backstage it's just like a circus in there pat's on his phone pat doherty enemy of the pod the snake dipped in oil pat's on his phone he's getting direct messages from blokes who listen to the pod on instagram just straight up threats (laughs) straight up threats like we're gonna fucking kill you doherty you suck doherty we're gonna boo you 
So I was like, oof, good luck with that, Pat. You know, there's no running now. Not that Pat ever would. But it was pretty cool. Everyone was like fucking raucously pissed. Sold out Friday show. I got on like the microphone behind the stage and I announced Pat and I do it like as if I'm starting a pod. I go, all right, legends. Everyone's just going nuts. I was like, oh, this is sick, you know? So then uh, I go, welcome to the stage. A good friend of mine, you're going to love him, Pat Doherty. Pat walks out to some of the most aggressive booing I've ever heard in my six years of show business and my 26 years on this planet. I mean, I have never heard anything like it. Just the boos were just crazy. And people are hissing at him because he's a snake. So he's getting a combination of hisses and boos. And I'll give I'll give Pat a fucking rap here. Jokes aside for two seconds. Pat Doherty, the enemy of the pod. Pat walks out. He's getting booed into next week. I'm pretty, like, I wouldn't be surprised if people were throwing stuff at him. You know, like, it was, that was the vibe. Do you know what I do? I just go back to looking at my notes, okay? I'm not stressed at all. Any other show, if your opener is literally getting booed before he even gets to the microphone, you're thinking, holy fuck, this is terrifying. But Pat Doherty is an absolute warrior, okay? There's no one I'd rather take on the road. The guy could just deal with anything. You know, we could be doing a gig in fucking, in, in, a, in an Iraqi war zone, and this bloke could still be fucking, I don't know, pretending to root the stool and flirting with some chick in the front row. So Pat goes out to a million booze. He immediately just starts teeing off on the crowd. I'm looking at my notes. Happy days. Pat Doherty actually stuck to his time as well. And it was just sick. He brings me up. Friday, best show of my fucking life. Thanks for coming. Get fucked. It was so fun. Okay, it was so fun. And thanks so much to everyone who came Wednesday or Friday or told a friend or anything. I really appreciate it. And the, just the fact the show's even happened. You know, I got Wednesday under the belt. I thought Wednesday was good. Show. Wednesday was like a seven out of 10 show. I enjoyed it. It was a good show. Maybe an eight. It was a pretty good show. It was a seven. Friday was just wild. Like by the end of my Friday show, I was like, fuck, we're going to have to call security. Like blokes were just getting out of control. Like people were getting up every two minutes. It's like, it's a one hour show. How many times do you have to go to the bar in a one hour show? But it was absolutely insane. So fun. The hours zip by. Um, I got heckled a bit. Whatever. I mean, you get fucking taken to the curb, dude. Okay? Put you in some fucking concrete slippers and we can go swimming if you want to fucking lip up. Especially when I'm in the middle of a bit. Going forward, for anyone who ever comes to one of my shows, I'll always do material and I'll always talk to the crowd. Okay? Do not yell anything at me when I'm in the middle of the material. You're only ruining it for yourself. There's certain rhythms and certain words I need to say at, this, at a certain pace. And, you know, there's a method to the madness, okay? But then I'll always chat to the crowd and, man, it was crazy. Like, I talked to this one poor kid, Dylan, in the front row. Mate, Dylan, uh, he said he's a fan of the pod. I'm such a piece of shit. I was kind of ragging on this kid a bit, unnecessarily. But um, it was pretty funny. And, uh, like, the whole crowd started chanting, fuck you, Dylan. Um, and I apologize, mate. I did not see that coming. Okay, no one could. And the chance started up again maybe three or four more times in the show. So, Dylan, I apologize. I hope you enjoyed the show. Um, but yeah, it was great. It was just fucking crazy. And I, I, I went out and had a beer with everyone after the show. Always love it. 
a lot of people were saying we weren't sure about coming to see your stand-up or we weren't sure if it'd be any good. But, you know, they were very complimentary after that. But guys, I can assure you, I'm much better at stand-up than I am at podcasting. Okay, what even is this? I'm in my fucking bedroom right now, you know? So if you're thinking about coming to a show and you weren't sure, trust me, dude. It'll rip or your money back. But anyway, um, man, I got so pissed after the show. Like, we were at the factory till like midnight. I was on Pat's shoulders out, outside of the factory, just blind, being like, everyone back to the lad pad for kick-ons. Legends and hot chicks only. Security are trying to like grab me, pull me down. They're like, hey, hey, hey. I was like, you can come too. No narcs. Stand on the front door. <laughs> oh, dude. We had the best kick-ons ever. Like, even randoms from the crowd came back to my house for kick-ons. It was wild, dude. Wild. We had maybe 40 people back. Um, a lot of dark arts. You know, a lot of stuff that's a bit too blue for the pod. Um, and it was so much fun. It was so much fun. Maka has bought, like, a, a table and, like, stools and a high table that would be, like, from a bar. And they're in the they're in the middle room next to the pool table. Oh, my God. It was just the best time ever. Best kick-ons ever. So, yeah. Had the best fun ever. Thanks so much to everyone who, who came. Really appreciate it. And it was just fucking awesome, dude. So good. Okay, so. Now, some people brought this up to me after the show. And they were right. I completely forgot to do something on the pod that I said I would. Um, so, here we crack into it. So two weeks ago, Australian cricket legend, okay, legend, Stuart McGill was kidnapped. And it's one of those stories, firstly, very traumatic for Stu, okay, my heart goes out to him, um, you know, no one deserves to be kidnapped, okay, no one deserves to be kidnapped. So let's get that out of the way, you know, hope he's doing better, hope he's doing better, etc. This is, without a doubt, the funniest fucking thing I've ever come across in my life, okay? <laughs> the second greatest leg spin bowler of all time was kidnapped. <laughs> You've got to be kidding. Holy shit, dude. It was just, as soon as I heard it, I was like, this is right up there. Like, this this is a serious contender. Um, so, we're going to talk about it. <laughs> oh, boy, are we going to talk about it. So, firstly... Firstly, Stuart McGill, for those of you who are not familiar, I'm becoming more and more aware that we have international listeners for this podcast. Uh, we've got some goddamn septic tanks out there, you, you bloody yanks, hey? Um, and some poms, some Irish blokes, and uh, some people from Tasmania as well. So welcome to all the foreign listeners. I appreciate you just as much as my homegrown ones. So anyway, I'll give you some background on Stuart McGill if you're not familiar. I've actually, look at this, I've got a piece of paper here, okay? I've watched one three-minute YouTube video and read two articles on the Daily Mail. This is, without a doubt, the most research I've ever done for the podcast, okay? So, here we go. Firstly, Stuart McGill, a bit of background on the great man. And make no mistake, okay, I'm going to basically rip on this bloke for the next eight minutes, but make no mistake, I'm a huge fan of Stuart McGill. He's a legend of the game. Good on you, Stewie. All right. So let's crack into taking the piss out of this absolute loser. Um, so, Stuart McGill. If you're not familiar with the game of cricket, you know, plenty of people in Australia don't like cricket. 
Stuart McGill is the second greatest leg spin bowler of all time. He, unfortunately, his career happened at the exact same time as the greatest leg spin bowler of all time, Shane Warne. So he basically lived in Shane's shadow for two decades, and that's not good for anyone's morale. But basically, he's the second best leg spinner. Out of spin bowlers of all time, he also has the second best hair, again behind Shane Warne. Um, and I'm even talking about sort of the 06, 07 era when Warney was starting to thin. And Stuart McGill, you know, he may not, he may not have, uh, you know, the greatest track record of all time, but he definitely has one of the greatest hairlines of all time. Okay, just a fantastic hairline that has refused to move no matter how old he gets. And even when Shane Warne was going a bit thin up top, something about Shane, he just looked better. Can't put my finger on it. Those beautiful gold locks. And while we're speaking about uh, second best again, um, Shane Warne, this is not an official statistic, but I'm willing to put my name behind it. Shane Warne did root considerably more than Stuart McGill, uh, not only through the 90s, but also well into the 2000s. So Stuart McGill second in all departments. And Stuart McGill's first wife was a former Home and Away star or Neighbours or Ready Steady Cook. She was on television. I believe it was Neighbours. That's pretty cool. Shane Warne, he married Liz Hurley. So you can put that in your pipe stew, okay? Back in your box. Know your role, okay? Know your fucking role, dude. So Stuart McGill, a great man. And then obviously with the hair, Warney signed a sponsorship deal with Advanced Hair Studios. And I mean, I think I speak for everyone when I say his, his salad has never looked better. So... You know, it is tough. But second best to Shane Warne, you're second best to the greatest bowler of all time. That's like saying, oh, I've got the second best hair behind Billy Darcy. You know what I mean? It's an honor to share the podium with greatness. Okay? You're in the conversation. And the people of Australia still love you, Stu. We still love you. We just love Shane considerably more. And that's okay. But Shane and Stuart McGill did not get on. Okay? Something about... You know, Shane Warne getting in the way of millions of dollars, you know, fanfare, even more roots, uh, and possibly even better hair. There was an animosity there. They famously didn't get on. And, you know, who says you need to? Why do you have to get on with everyone? You know? They're bowling from different ends. Who gives a shit, okay? But anyway. So, got my dossier here. Uh, Stuart McGill was kidnapped. Now, he was kidnapped on the side of the road by four men, uh, one of which, okay, was his ex-partner's brother, okay? Now, Stuart McGill is a a fixture. It's said online that Stuart McGill is the general manager of Aristotle's Greek restaurant in Cremorne, or Mosman. Now, I have heard that he just gets pissed there all day, allegedly, Okay? allegedly so i'm not too sure you know i got some mates who've sort of been to that restaurant and they said he wasn't doing too much paperwork if you know what i mean uh you know he wasn't sort of balancing the books if you know what i mean he was sort of uh pissed at 11 a.m if you know what i mean so you know his ex-partner owns the beautiful greek restaurant food's fantastic get down there for sure anyway 
So his ex-partner's brother and her three mates have kidnapped him on the side of the road. One of the blokes was a bikey associate, which, as we call it where I'm from, oh, fuck, there's bikies involved. This is really bad. Okay, this is really bad. That's what we say where I'm from. And he was kidnapped. He was chucked in the back of a car, driven to a property an hour away where, you know, four blokes kidnapped him. And I'd imagine because that's how many it fucking takes, dude. Okay? Stewie McGill is a goddamn gremlin. Okay? He's been on fucking four tours of India. You think no one tried to kidnap him there? You think when he was, you know, getting some freaking walking down the streets of Mumbai, no one had a fucking dig at the king? You know? I wouldn't be surprised if someone in India tried to freaking kidnap him, hold him ransom, say, give a, you know, give us Brett Lee on a three-picture Bollywood film deal and we'll give you back Stuart McGill. You know, I'm not surprised that, I actually am surprised that never happened. But Stuart McGill was kidnapped, he was beaten for an hour and threatened with a gun. And i got to say, that's pretty scary, okay? That is pretty scary. He was then dropped off. Uh, it's just sort of at a Sydney suburb, middle of nowhere. Now, call me a traditionalist, but I believe when you kidnap a man, you should drop him off where you found him. You know? What if he was on his way to the bank? What if he was meeting a friend? You know? Let's keep in mind that he does have a life outside of the kidnapping, okay? And I think that's something you've definitely seen with modern kidnappings where, you know, it's 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 a lot of quick grab and snatch and, you know, we'll threaten to kill you if you don't give us 300 grand. But then they're not finishing the job with the same etiquette that we've seen in the past. So, pretty disappointing they didn't drop him to his original location. Um, but, you know, Stuart McGill, this isn't a black and white case. He's a notorious pisshead. Um, he actually had his own wine show on the Food Network. And a fun fact about Stuart McGill's wine show is that he had no idea he even had a fucking show, okay? He had no idea there were cameras filming him. He was just getting pissed for six months in the Hunter Valley and the Food Network fucking cottoned on and started asking him questions. He had no idea about that television show until three years after it aired when he saw an episode of it playing in an airport lounge. So, you know, he's an interesting character. He had a stint on Triple M. Triple M, you know, Triple M thinks that Stuart McGill... He's a better radio host than me, then that's Triple M's business, okay? That's Triple M's business. But, you know, he's got a fantastic hairline. He's got this beautiful restaurant. You know, he's a, he, he's a, a, just living his best life, actually. He's just lo- loving life, having a great time, okay? Now, what happened was Stuart McGill allegedly, and keep in mind, everything I've said so far is either made up or off the Daily Mail. So the kidnapping did happen. Uh, the you know various zingers that have followed it, uh, you know not not true. But he was threatened with a gun and dropped off. And the reason is what I read. Keep in mind on the Daily Mail was that Stuart McGill introduced uh, the his ex partner's brother to a drug dealer. The drug dealer bought two kilos of cocaine off them. Street value six hundred k for those playing at home and then refused to pay him back the money. Okay, so now, they're at Stewie McGill going, where's your fucking mate? He owes us 600k. Stewie McGill's washing his hands of this thing. Oh, no COVID for me. No, I'm not involved in this drug deal. Now, I'm not saying Stuart McGill was, I'm just saying, you know, I wouldn't be surprised. I don't know what goes on in this great man's head. So, 
Then they've said, enough's enough, Stu. We're sick of asking. They kidnapped him and tried to find out where his, where his drug dealing mate is. Stuart McGill's a goddamn fortress, okay? Stuart McGill played Sheffield Shield cricket when it really mattered, okay? In the fucking 90s, bruh, okay? You think you, think you can just tie up Stuart McGill and point a gun at his face? I'm pretty sure the Queensland Bulls did that to him three times a week in 1993, okay? It's going to take more than that to get a fucking cent or any info out of the king. Okay, so Stuart McGill laughs in these blokes' faces for about an hour. Polly starts talking about wrongings. What a legend. And then he's dropped off again. So, you know, the restaurant, the Greek brothers, the bikey, you know, it's all a bit shades of grey, what's happening. But I will say, as a general rule, I think, traditionally, whenever a restaurant is owned by someone with Opolis in their last name, it is uh, a drug front. So... I'm not saying Aristotle's in Mosman is a drug front. I'm not saying, uh, you know, but I'm also saying it probably is. Okay, so allegedly, we don't know what's going on, but I'd say that's probably the case here. I think, I think Stuart McGill's cooked up a fucking, you know, a vanilla cake for his mates and f- forgot to tell them that he's actually got his fingers all over this thing. Okay, so I'm not sure what happened. Another theory I have is that Nathan Lyon was actually behind this whole thing. Okay? Think about it. What does Nathan Lyon want? To be regarded as the second best spinner ever behind Shane Warne and to have fantastic hair. Okay? Two things that Stuart McGill has an abundance of. So now he's thinking, what if old Stuart McGill went missing? What if old Stuart McGill accidentally fell into the back of an SUV, got the shit beaten out of him, disappeared for a little while? All of a sudden, are we talking about Nathan Lyon as the second greatest bowler of all time? I don't know. I don't know. And I'm not saying that Nathan Lyon's a criminal. I'm just saying that if the police haven't questioned him yet, they're not doing their job. Okay? So, you know, I don't know what happened. I'm merely speculating. I will say I did actually find a Google review from Nathan Lyon on Stuart McGill's Greek restaurant that he manages. And I've got it here. Nathan Lyon said, the food was average, one star. He doesn't even turn the ball that much. And I think you'll find the second half of that review got a bit personal and didn't seem to have anything to do with the Bucklover, if you know what I mean. So Stuart McGill is safe. He's sound. He's back on the piss. One can only hope. Um, And I wish him the best. He's a great man. There's no doubt. Loved watching him bowl, you know, and he's had a bit of a, he's had a couple of fucking, you know, a couple of cracks in the pathway, if you know what I mean, on his post, post-career life. But, you know, I wish him all the best. So, Stuart McGill's kidnapping. That is fucking hilarious, dude. Former Australian cricketer kidnapped, involved in some sort of a drug heist with a bikey. What? <laughs> what? And yet, the media will tell you that Shane Warne doesn't wear condoms. So, you know what I mean? But anyway, let's wrap it up. I don't know if any of that made any sense whatsoever. But let's get some trend ends going. Okay, firstly, dude. So, trend end. Keep sending them in. I appreciate it. So, trend end. And this one has been bigger recently. Take me back posts on social media. Why do we need to be taken back? You were there. Now you're not there. 
I was never there. Okay? Imagine if some bloke just came up to you at a party and was like, look, it's me in Spain three years ago. Fucking put that on your toast. I'm sick, dude. You were there. You were in Spain. Unreal. I'd take a selfie of myself and be like, look, it's me. Leaving this conversation, dude. (laughs) Take me back post. It's like, we saw it once. I didn't even like it the first time when it was live. Okay? When you were in Spain. Now, you're at a house party in fucking Randwick and you you want me to like it now? That's ambitious. Okay? That is ambitious. And just the whole idea of the take me back is that they're basically saying, hey guys, haven't really done anything of interest in the last six to 12 months. Uh, so here's a picture of the last time I did something that wasn't completely mind numbing. Spain, 2017. Missing the sun. <laughs> Do you know what, dude? I'm missing... I'm, <laughs> oh, I'm missing a lot of things, but... I'm not missing this, you know? Just the whole idea of a take me back post is like, we have to see it twice? (laughs) Like, what are you talking about? You know, it's not enough that like, you know, and this comes back to the thing, you know, people like this, people who you don't hear from them on social media for a year straight. They're freaking, they're working as an accountant. Their girlfriend hates them. And, you know, the, the sex leaves a lot to be desired. God forbid this bloke goes to freaking Queenstown for five days on a ski trip. Now my whole news feed is fucking Jack from Who Gives a Fuck, you know? All of a sudden he's a goddamn influencer. We're at breakfast with him. Hey guys, just checking in. Really? That's weird. You haven't checked in in the last 12 months. When you're eating fucking Nutrigrain for dinner in your one-bedroom apartment. Where was that check-in? Jake? You know? It's just like... I don't like the fair weather posting, you know? You want to post when you're on top of a mountain in Queenstown, that's good. But when you're too hungover to reverse out of your own driveway, let's see an Instagram story, at the very least, you know? And then, two years later, we don't need to see it again, okay? We don't need to see it again. You know, it's like the take-me-back post. If I want to be taken back to somewhere I've never fucking been, I'll watch Getaway on a Sunday afternoon, Okay? thanking you dude thanking you don't take me somewhere don't take me somewhere i've not been i'll take myself okay but (laughs) i don't know what's going on today this pod is either the best one i've ever done or like bottom 10 but i look forward to finding out dude all right here's another one okay so firstly the new segment from last week trend continue thank you for the many dms i received pointing out that it was possibly the worst name for a segment ever, you know, and I got a couple of these, but I can't remember who said it, but good on whoever you are, you know who you are, I think his name was James, the, the segment Trend Continue has been rebranded, it is now called Trend Extend. That makes so much more sense, it's not even funny. Trend continue, it sounds like, it sounds like, you know, when like a four-year-old does something and you got to be like, yeah, good job, buddy. But you're like, ugh, that was the worst thing I've ever seen. That was trend continue. And a lot of you didn't have the balls to tell me, (laughs) but it was the worst (laughs) name for a segment. (laughs) 
of all time. So Trend Extend is debuting and also returning. Okay, I just did finger guns for those of you listening, and I apologize. So, Trend Extend. This week's one is one close to my chest, close to my heart. Trend Extend, okay? Chicks, and this one is, you know, I'd hate to prey on one gender, but Trend Extend this week. Chicks wearing leather jackets and boots in winter. Continue, dude. Okay? I love a girl who looks like she could solve a crime at any moment. I'm so in for it. You look like the hot chick off CSI, and I'm a fan. Okay? Dude, boots are versatile. What a look. I love the winter look. Boots and a leather jacket on some chick, you know, smoking a cigarette with aviators. Let's go save the world, babe. I'm here for it. You know? Boots are such a versatile thing. It's like, this chick with boots, where's she come from, you know? She got her horse freaking tied up outside. Is she a lesbian? Like, what's happening, you know? The possibilities are endless with boots. And, you know, I'm fucking in for it. And it, it, that's the thing. A chick wearing a leather jacket and boots, you don't know where she's come from, and you don't know where she's going, dude. She could have come from a brunch. She should. She could have come from, you know, a local soccer game. She could have come from, you know... I'm trying to think of stuff, but I can't. Uh, you know, what are other stuff people do? She could have gone to a farm, or she could have gone to a high tea. It's a versatile look, is what I'm saying. And then it also kind of looks like she's carrying maybe some sort of a firearm in that jacket. Looks like if some guy pushed into you at a pub, she'd freaking point a gun at this son of a bitch and say, say you're sorry. And then now you've got this six-foot Samoan bloke apologizing to you when you were the one who bumped into him. You know, chicks with leather jackets and boots continue. And if you want to cut a fringe, guess what? Here's a high five and the keys to my house. It's yours now, okay? It's, it's your house. You can have the Mazda. Um, it's now your podcast. You know, good luck for the future. Um, you are without a doubt the one, okay? So winter trend extend. Chicks with leather jackets and boots, dude. Absolutely. Okay, absolutely. Now, all right, we got probably one more. Yep. Okay. What about this last one? Apologies, I think this one's a long one. So, trend end. Okay, we're going back to trend end. I apologize again. <laughs> I think I have self-esteem issues. No one should apologize this much in a solo podcast. Um, <laughs> so trend end people who care about like 10 bucks okay and you know when you're 18 19 20 i kind of get it you work in three hours a week in a cafe the guy's paying you seven bucks an hour and he charges you to use the toilet okay i understand when you're young you don't have much money but when you're like 24 and some blokes like oh you owe me 10 bucks it's like i mean okay you can have it but it's like ugh you know what I mean? Or like some bloke who's like, you got a huge night out and he's like, did you ever get me that beer back last night? And it's like, no, I didn't. But it wasn't malicious, you know, I just got caught up. You know, this Brazilian chick was flirting with me. She invited me to a house party around the corner. You know, I'm trying to kiss Esperanza on the lips. I don't have time to buy you back whatever fucking light beer you shouted me. Okay? And not everyone who forgets to pay you back for like 10 bucks, 7 bucks, 12 bucks, it's not always a personal attack. People just forget, okay? 
And you know what? You've probably forgotten heaps. So just fucking chill out. It all comes out in the wash, babe, you know? If you fucking... If you've got $8 on your mind, maybe you should give your ex-girlfriend a call. Because you're stressed, dude, you know? What's happening? Don't even worry about these small sums of money. Honestly, if you're going to freak out every time someone owes you six fifty, it's going to be a long fucking life. So just let it go. People owe you freaking 50 bucks. Yeah, you go around to their house. You, you get a gun. You get a gun with no bullets in it. You point it to his head. You threaten him. You threaten his family. You tie up his kids, okay? But 10 bucks, don't even worry about it, dude, okay? And I'm going to end this podcast. I don't know if you can hear that, but Mac is making some sort of a health smoothie in the kitchen. Uh, he does these green smoothies during the week. And then, you know, this bloke's unbelievable. Friday night, he, was, he came to my show. He was up till 5 a.m. Then he went to a bottomless brunch Saturday, blind again till 5 a.m. Then he got up 11 a.m. Sunday, was blind all day watching the UFC. Right? Just a three-day bender like we've not seen before. And then, he, and then he's like, oh, two green smoothies on a Wednesday will fix this. You know, this will undo all the damage. You need to grow up, Macca. And you need to grow up now. Okay? So, Macca's looking for a fucking... A one-stop... A one-stop fucking fix in the kitchen. Uh, I'm gonna have some bloody... Some bloody lunch. Okay, well... Sort of... How do I end this? Thanks, babe. Thanks for everything. Alright, cool. Way too long. Way too long. Yeah. And I can see the ground now, I'm way too gone, way too gone Cause these people got me fucked up, yeah they got me way too wrong, way too wrong Now my mind's stronger than me, don't you wait too long, wait too long Oh I, oh I, oh I